0: Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alamin, lahu al-hamdu al-hasan wa al-thana' al-jamil wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah wa ashhadu anna sayyidina wa Muhammad sallallahu Ali wa ala alihi wa ashabihi he al-tabi'in lahum bi ihsan ila yawm al-din amma ba the Wa inna sharh kitab risalatu al-latifa bay Sheikh Alama Abdurrahman ibn Nasir Sa'di rahimahullah. We're now going to go into the 6th chapter. Where the author, Rahimahullah, goes back to Dalalatul Nususil Wahiyain. We already spoke about um, some issues related to Dalalatul um, Fad previously. We spoke about the mantuq, we spoke about the mafhum, we spoke about the types of mantuq, we spoke about the types of mafhum. And these are Dalalatul Alfad. These are called Dalalatul Al-Faad. We discussed that in details. Today, inshallah Allah Taala, the author is bringing us back to other ones that we haven't that we haven't uh, studied. He says, "ونصوص الكتاب والسنة يعني the Quran and the Sunnah منها عامن. There are texts which are general. وهو اللفظ الشامل ل لأجناس أو أنواع أو أفراد كثيرة وذلك أكثر النصوص." A general text is a text where this word encompasses all of its types. And this word, when you say it, it encompasses it all. That's عام. and English is simple as general. The opposite of am is خاص. Some texts are not general, they're specific. وَمِنْهَا خَاصُ khasun the author says, some of the text is specific, it's not general. أو أو it doesn't show the whole entire meaning of that word, it refers to some things. يعني, the is specific, whereas the am is general. So some of the verses in the Qur'an and some of the ahadith of the Prophet are general, they are am. And... Some of the ayat in the Qur'an and some of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ are khas, meaning specific, they're not general. That's what the author is telling you. Then he says, فَحَيْثُ لَا تَعَارُضَ بَيْنَ الْعَامِ والخاس. Now, pay attention. We have al am, And we also have al-khas. What we said was, Al-Am is, in English, it's general. And we said, uh, Khas is uh, specific. Okay? So some texts are general, and some texts are specific. Yani Khas, specific to something. Something can happen. The, Al-Am. And al khas they can both have muwafaka. Yani, they both agree with each other. Yani we have aam and we have a khas, and they are both supporting one another. We have aam and a khas, which both are affirming what the other one is affirming. Pay attention. Sometimes we have Muwafaqa, meaning the am and the Khas are not going against each other. We have a text which is general, and we have a text that's specific, and they're both supporting each other. That's one situation. And the second situation is, we have al am and we have Al-Khas, and between the two is Ta'arud, opposition. They are opposing one another. The am and the Khas are opposing one another. They are going against each other. Okay. When it's am and Khas, and they both agree with one another, yani they're both in line with each other, and both of them are what the other one is, what we say is, And we act upon both of them. عُمِلَ بِكُلِّ وَاحِدٍ مِّنْهُمَا We act upon both of them. If they are both in line with one another, if they are both in line with one another, we have العام and القاس and they agree with one another, we act upon both of them. عُمِلَ بِكُلِّ مِّنْهُمَا What about if there's ta'aruf? There's opposition. What do we do? we take the khas we take the khas over the am we take the khas the specific over the am we take the specific over the general okay we need an example for both we need an example an example is for this t- for these two is that the messenger وسلم, saw his wife Maymuna, and he saw the prophet. وسلم, he said to um, Maymuna, when he saw the dead chat, there was a dead sheep or a goat, and he said to her, "Sallallahu alaihi Why don't you taint?" I'm a tan, sorry. Why don't you tan the skin? He said, Why don't you tan the skin of this animal? It will purify it. And specifically, the Prophet said to Maimuna, This animal, you can cleanse the skin and benefit from it by tanning it. Take it and tan it. Put it in the sun. Are we all together? This is specific. And in the Messenger, he specifically spoke to Maimun as Shat. He's referring to this. He said, This Shat, the Prophet said, tanning it will purify it, the skin. In another hadith, the Prophet said, bin faqad tahur. The Messenger وسلم, said, In another hadith, any um, dead animal who dies, like sheep, goats, and whatnot, and cows. The Prophet said, Tanning it will, pur- will purify it. Here we have the Messenger specifically referring to Maimun as Shat, and here we have the Messenger ﷺ as saying, Ayyuma, whichever, giving a general. Then the specific and the general both go line, hand in hand, they support one another. So this is a muwafaqah. They both agree with each other. The specific which is Maymuna's hadith and the hadith which is general, both of them go in line hand in hand. So we act upon both of them. We act upon both of them because they're the same. Lacking, there's sometimes mukhalafah. There's some, يعني, there's a specific and a general. Ah. And they're not going in line hand in hand. They're not. They're not going in hand in hand. First of all, does everyone, does everyone understand this example and this point so far? Huh? Okay, a general and a specific, they go in hand in hand. Sometimes we have a specific and a general, but they are going against each other. How do we reconcile between that? That's simple. We take the specific and we, uh, uh, we take the specific over the general. Okay, because remember, brothers and sisters, I want you to understand, we just defined khas, khas means, um, khas means specific, right, in the specific, the general gen- is in there, the arm is in there, you've, you've taken something from the specific, you've taken something from the general, uh, it will make sense when I give an example. I don't want to confuse you. Forget me saying this. This is slightly confusing. Let me give you an example. Allah Taala He said, "Wala tankyuh al Allah Taala He said, "Wala who Do not marry al-mushrikati, the mushrikeen do not marry the mushrikeen. Allah said, Wala al-Mushrikat." Prohibition. Al Mushrikat is al We are not allowed to marry the mushrikeen. We're not allowed to. Well, it's haram from us. Another ayah says, Wal muh sanatimu al kitab. Allah says, Wal well, muh. Sanat مِنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابِ In this place, Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, He says, وَالْمُحْصَنَاتِ The women that are chast مِنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابِ From the ones that were given the scripture. وَالْمُحْصَنَاتِ The women who are chast from the ones that were given the scripture. are the اليهود والنصارى. يعني this ayah is saying you can marry the women that are from the women of the scripture if they're chaste. This is a general text and this is a specific text. Okay? It's a general text and this is a specific text. <laughs> and hey, they seem to be going against each other because the general is saying, don't marry any mushrik. And the Ahlul Kitab are from the mushrikeen, right? Are they not? They are. What happened? Here, you take the specific uh, over the general. Does that make sense? Okay. So that was the general, and this is the specific. We take the specific. Okay. The example here is, I don't know why, sorry, I wrote. Allah Tabarak wa ta'ala said, وَلَا Do not marry Al mushrikat, The women who are mushrikeen, don't marry the mushrik women. Don't marry them. So we're not allowed to marry mushrik women. This is specific to the men. A, man, a Muslim man is not allowed to marry a mushrik. That's what this ayah is saying, you're not allowed to marry. Then uh, this ayah came, وَالْمُحْسَنَاتُ مِنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ As for, as for, the people of the scripture, يعني أَهْلُ الْكِتَابِ, الْيَهُودُ nasara, Whichever of those are مُحْسَنَات, they're chaste, like meaning they've not done zina, they're chaste women. But the, for example, they're nuns, يعني they don't do zina, they don't have intimate relationships, they're chaste women. And the أَهْلُ الْكِتَابِ, الْيَهُودُ nasara this ayah is saying to the Muslim men, you can marry them. You can marry a woman who is either Christian or a Jew. And she's from the people of the scripture. She's from the people of the scripture. And she's a al muhsanat. She's from those women who are chast. She's far from zina and anything that may damage her honor. She's far from it. This ayah is saying, you can marry those ones. Then, we have this ayah saying, you can't, marry any woman that's mushrik. And we have this one, which is specifying a particular type of the mushrikeen that you can marry, which is those who are chaste. So we have a general and a specific. Are we all together? Um, No, a woman can never marry a non-Muslim. A woman is not allowed to marry a non-Muslim. A woman is not allowed. Okay? A woman is not allowed. And there are many wisdoms behind why a woman can't, because the fact that the woman, if she marries a man of the, uh, if she marries a man from Ahlul Kitab, the child takes the name of that, and then what she's going to do, she's going to be, she's going to be increasing the number of the people of the scripture, and many other wisdoms. This is specific ruling for the men, Okay? Okay, the author then says, are we all together now? Inshallah, I'm going to answer those questions, insha'Allah ta'ala, at the ending of the class, in class, al We'll talk about that at the ending of the class. B'ithnillah. Um, now we have another point that the auth rahim allah mentioned which is mu'tabarin al muqayyad here we have another point which is al mutlaq wal muqayyad al mutlaq ana muqayyad The author, Rahimahullah, now he goes into Al Mutlaq wal Muqayyad. What does Al Mutlaq and Al Muqayyad mean? Mutlaq and Al Muqayyad means gen. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry, an uh, unrestricted text. The word Al Mutlaq, so some of the texts are unrestricted. So now the author goes into Al mutrak and Al Muqayyad. So unrestricted and this is restricted. So we have text which is Unrestricted, unrestricted. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he said in the Quran, فَتَحْرِيرُ رَقَابَةٌ Free a slave. He didn't tell us what slave we have to free. فَتَحْرِيرُ رَقَابَةٌ Are we all together? فَتَحْرِيرُ رَقَابَةٌ And then another ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, فَتَحْرِيرُ رَقَابَةٍ مُؤْمِنَةٌ يعني, the word mu'mina is muqayyad It's specified now Restricted, sorry The first one was what? Unrestricted Free the, free the neck of a slave And then another ayah Allah said Free the neck of a believer The one that you're going to free Has to be a believer This is called "mutlaqan muqayyad This is called a what? مُطْلَقْ أَنَ مُقَيَّدْ Okay. وَمِنْهَا And from it is مُجْمَلٌ وَمُبَيَّنٌ A text which is ambiguous and a clear text. Sometimes in the Quran and the Sunnah some of the texts are ambiguous. And some of the texts are uh, clear. Clear text. The Mujmal uh, are texts which are unclear for us we, When we say ambiguous we mean You are unable to implement You're, You are unable to implement If you came to this verse You wouldn't be able to implement It's hard And an example for that is Wa Aqimus established Establish the prayer Establish the prayer Is not a verse you can implement Unless you find the a hadith of the Prophet Wasallam Which explains it the hadiths of the Prophet ﷺ explain to us what it means, وَأَقِيمُ Salah explains it to us. So there's a text which is mujmal and there's a مُبَيَّن The mujmal is ambiguous. It's ambiguous. And then we have a clear text. The ambiguous and the clear text the ambiguous text is something you can't implement give the zakat from your wealth pray the salah. how much from the zakat do I have to pay when do I have to pay the zakat is there anything that can that that, that I can't do you don't understand this verse unless you get it clarified for you some of the Quran, and the, some of the verses in the Quran are ambiguous well, that's why the scholars they refute the yun who call themselves Qur'aniyun. Re- but in reality, they're called Munkiri as Sunnah, the rejecters of the Sunnah. The reason why they, they can't uh, implement some verses in the Qur'an, because those verses are mujmal, and the mubayyan is in the Sunnah sometimes. So they're forced to go to the Sunnah. Like, for example, Allah is saying, Established a prayer. Okay? How do you establish a prayer? How do you establish the prayer? That is not found in the Qur'an. يعني, do you, where do you put your hand? Do you, what's ruku'? A sujood? What do you say in your ruku'? What do you say in your sujood? يعني, does the ruku' come before the sujood? يعني, all of that is learned in the sunnah. So some of the Qur'an is ambiguous. And some of it is clear. Okay? The author then says, it's ambiguous in one place and it's clarified in another place. The clarification that we take is taken from the, 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 the Sharia, Allah Azza wa Jalla. Allah is the one that's going to clarify for us. We don't just look at it and say, it's ambiguous. Let's do this. No. Anything that's ambiguous is always going to be clarified somewhere else. Either it's going to be clarified in another place in the Quran, or it's going to be pl- clarified in somewhere else in the Sunnah. Okay. That's what the author says. Look what he says. There are many rulings that are ambiguous in the Quran. and the Sunnah clarified it. So it's obligatory to go back to the Sunnah because the Messenger وسلم, is the one who clarifies to us from Allah Azza He's the one who clarifies things for us. Are we all together? So there are texts which are ambiguous and there are texts which are clear. The texts which are ambiguous, we go back to Allah and His Messenger. They will clarify for us. And majority of the times, the verses which are ambiguous, you can find it uh, clarified in the Sunnah. The author then says, "Wanadiru and something similar, something that's similar to the Mujmal and the Mubayyan is "Muhkam and Mutajabi." The word mujmal and the mubayyan that we've just taken now, there are two other words which are slightly similar to it, and they are called what? ونذير هذا منها محكماً ومتشابه. محكم المتشابه. The muhkam is the text which is crystal clear, and the mutashabih is the vague text. Okay, similar. Mujmal and mubayyan, the and المتشابه. Okay, so the verses which are muhkam are the ummul kitab, they're the it's the mother, it's the ref. You bring everything back to the muhkam, you bring it back to the clear cut verses, and you bring back the mutashabi and the ones that are mujmal back to the muhkam, the clear cut ones. Are we all together? I'll give you an example. Allah Ta'ala uses the word Nahnu. Allah uses the word Nahnu. The word Nahnu in the Arabic language. It can either be a plural يعني more than one person and it can also be out of royalty out of royalty and a person is is plural more than one person or it's royalty or it's plural نحن accepts those two meanings المتكلم معه غيره it's one of the two. The word Nahnu, when Allah uses it, which one does He mean? Does He mean plural or does He mean royalty? We know He means royalty. Because this word is mutashabi. This word is mutashabi. Mutashabi means. It's unclear which of those two it is. But the person whose heart is clean, as Allah mentioned to us, those people whose hearts are sick, they're going to take it to the bad meaning. They're going to say, Yo, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's more than one. Plural. In the Quran, and they're going to take it to that meaning. Like in the ones whose heart is healthy and it's clean, and the true believers of Allah, they're going to be, look, it can take any, one of, any of those two. How do I determine which one it is? They read the remaining verses of the Quran and they come across the verse, Innama Inna Innama ilahuqum. وَاحِدُ إِنَّمَا الاه وَاحِدُ Your Lord is one. قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ, قل هو الله أحد. So the person realizes Allah is only one. He's not plural. It's one. Singular. He eliminates this. By taking it back to the clear-cut verses and says that this is referring to the royalty now when they are asked how do you know they took it back to they took it back to the muhkam the clear cut verses am i making sense brothers and sisters am i making sense brothers and sisters Huh? Does that make sense? Yes. So that's what Allah mentioned in the ayah. هو الذي أنزل عليك الكتاب من آيات محكمات ون الكتاب وأخر متشابهات فأما the في قلوبهم زير ما تشابه من ابتغاء الفتنة وابتغاء تأويله وما يعلم تأويله الله فِي يَقُولُونَ آمَنَّا بِهِ كُلُّ مِّنْ عِنْدِ رَبِّنَا وَمَا يَذَّكَّرُ إِلَّا The people of knowledge, they take it back to the muhkam, the clear-cut verses. The clear-cut verses is where they take it back to. Okay? The author then says, رَحِمَهُ Ta'ala, تَعَالَىٰ وَمِنْهَا There's nasiq and there's mansuk now. Ah. There's texts which are nasik and mansuk. What does a nasikh and a mansuk mean? Nasikh. Nasik al mansook. Nasik al mansook. What does a nasikh and a mansuch mean? It's the abrogated and the abrogator. Nasikh is the abrogator, the one who abrogates. Mansukh is the one that's been abrogated. ولذلك, سيوطي believed, جلال الدين السيوطي, he believed that the ayat which are abrogated in the Quran are only 20. وهاك تحرير آي لا مزيد لها. عشرين حررها الحذاق والكبر. Suyuti believed it's only 20 verses. 20 verses in the Qur'an, those 20 verses are the abrogated ones. That's Jalaluddin Suyuti's opinion. And other scholars, they differed with him. 20 verses in the Qur'an are abrogated. The rest are not. And then he mentions them, those verses in a couple of lines of poetry, which a person can memorize. Um, And in the Sunnah, some scholars, they've written books on it, the Sunnah and those which are abrogated. Those which are abrogated from the Kitab and the, and the Sunnah. وَمِنْهَا um, نَاسِخٌ In the Quran and the Sunnah, the abrogated are very little. The ones that have been abrogated are very little. أَمْكَنَ الْجَمْعُ بَيْنَ النَّصَّيْنِ وَحَمْلُ كُلُّ مِّنْهُمَا عَلَىٰ وَجَبَ ذَلِكُ We have two texts. We are able to reconcile between the two. We can bring the two texts together This text and this text We can bring it together And we can make them work together It is obligatory for us to make it work together We have to make them work together But if we've tried We've tried, we've tried We've exerted all of our efforts To try to bring these two texts together They don't seem to be coming together And we already know We already know As a as an underlining uh, belief that the Quran and the Sunnah do not contradict because it all came from Allah. The text and the Quran and the Sunnah do not contradict one another because they all come from Allah. So once we try to bring it together and they, they, they don't seem to be coming together, if we're not able to bring them together, then we go to the stage of abrogation. We abrogate between the two. Because some people, what they try to do is, they run to abrogation straight away. لا الجمع أولا أما the qa'ida is اعمال الدليلين أولا من إهمال أحدهما أما إلغاء أحدهما. Trying to implement both of the texts takes precedence over abandoning one. When you abrogate, you're going to have to abandon one. What first should be done is to try to bring them together. So try to bring the two texts together. Try to bring the two texts together. Mm. But in order to bring the two texts together, is that you have to know which one came first and which one came last. Which of the two texts came first? You have to know the tariqh. You have to know the hit time and when it came. Sometimes the Prophet ﷺ tells us that he abrogated something. He clearly tells us it, in the Prophet's statement that the Prophet himself clarifies to us that I've abrogated this. That the Prophet, what did he say? I used to, the Prophet said. I used to prohibit you from visiting the graves. I am now commanding you to go visit the graves. So this hadith shows that before there was a ruling which was prohibition. And now there's permissibility. That shows you the Prophet is telling you I've abrogated my part by previous ruling. It's a different ruling. Are we all together? The ayah Surah Al-Anfal. Allah Ta'ala He says, Muhammad, go and encourage the people to fight in the cause of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. And at that point, Allah Ta'ala He mentioned that each man He has to fight with 10 people. And 10 people, with you, you have to fight. And then Allah Ta'ala He says, Now, al now, the ruling has been changed Each person has to fight with only two people if Only two people come to you, you fight Are we all together? So the word al what does it show us? It shows us time, time And it shows us there was one before and now And in the ruling before it is abrogated And there's now it Shows us some time, right? So it's important to know the, 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 the timing of the texts. Like in some scholars, they fall into a mistake. They determine whether a text is abrogated or not based on the Sahabi who narrated it. For example, if Abu Huraira narrated it, and Abu Huraira took Islam four years before the Prophet passed away, and Abu Huraira was only with the Prophet for four years, Abu Huraira was only with the Messenger. Three or four years Four years, maximum Four years And then we have Abdullah ibn Mas'ud Narrating a hadith In opposition to the hadith Of Abu Hurairah Some scholars What they would say is Abu Hurairah narrated this one And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud Narrated this one The one Abdullah ibn Mas'ud Is abrogated With the one of Abu Hurairah And this is wrong And this is wrong We've pointed this out In our sharah of kitab Nukbatul Fikr Fi mustalahi al Athar that a sahabi narrated this one and another sahabi narrated this one. And basing the, nas- the nasq on that is incorrect. Why? Because there's something called mursal al-sahaba. The sahabas may narrate from one another. Abu Huraira may have narrated this hadith not from the Prophet. He may have narrated it from Abu Bakr or Umar or Uthman or Ali. Are we all together? So you can't do that. You can't. We've spoken about that previously. <coughs> the author then says, فَمَتَى أَمْكَنَ الْجَمْعُ بَيْنَ النَّصَّيْنِ وَحَمْلُ كُلُّ مِنْهُمَا عَلَى حَالٍ وَجَّبَ ذَلِكَ I mentioned that. If we can bring the two texts, we bring them together. وَلَا يُعْدَلُ إِلَى النَّسْخِ We cannot run to abrogation إِلَّا بِنَصِّ مِنَ الشَّارِعِ we're only allowed to run to abrogation if there's a text from the Qur'an and the Sunnah that shows us that this is abrogated. Like the hadith I told you, uh, The Prophet told us that he abrogated the previous ruling. So we have a text from Allah, the Prophet Here, and the second, uh, sorry, the, th- the second is if the two texts were not able to bring them together, and both of them are sahih, we're unable to bring them together, then we do abrogation. If the abrogation, we can't do it. We've tried to abrogate one with the other one, we couldn't because we didn't know the timing, we couldn't tell which one came first. We're struggling to know the abrogation. Then the author then says, Then we run to the other different types of ترجِيحات. Strengthening one over the other. There's other ways to reconcile between it. وَلِذَلِكَ أَبُوْ بَكَرِ بِنُ خُزَيْمَ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ إِمَامُ الْأَئِمَّةِ and he's one of the great Shafi'i scholars. It was said that he said, min kulli wajhin, wa man Abu Bakr ibn Khuzayma, He said, There are there are no two hadith that are opposing one another. Min kulli from all from all directions, there isn't. Anyone who finds a two hadiths that he thinks are contradicting one another, فليأتيني, let him bring it to me. I will bring them together. I know how to bring them together. So it's hard to say that these two hadiths are going against each other. Or these two ayats are going against each other. A lot of the times when you look at the people who claim abrogation are people who don't are not grounded in knowledge. Uh, they're not grounded. So the, the text can't be brought together. Okay, It's just that it needs a scholar, a person of understanding, grounded in the Arabic language, grounded in the sunnah and the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, and a person who has al-ala, the instrumental knowledge. When the two texts are brought to that person, he or she would be able to uh, reconcile between the two. We have a speech, the, the Sheikh is now going to give us some examples of how to bring the text together. We have the Prophet ﷺ saying something. And then we have the Prophet ﷺ doing opposite to what he said. The Prophet's speech is opposing the Prophet's actions. We put the Prophet's speech before the Prophet's actions. Which one do we do give precedence to? We give precedence to. We give precedence to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's speech. Ah, أمر أو And I mentioned this before to you. Because the Prophet speech is what shows oblig- It shows a command and it shows a prohibition. The Prophet's actions don't show on a command and a prohibition. Okay. And what we say is. This action of his is specific to him. And the speech is what we implement. And the prophets, the things that are specific to the prophet are based on this. The things that we say that are specific for the prophet, a lot of it comes from what? A speech that he said and an action that he did which was opposite to it. So what we said was that this speech is what we take. And the actions are what we say that are specific to him. These are specific to him. They are only for him. Sallallahu alayhi What about if the Prophet does something? The Messenger does something. He does something, And he does it to get closer to Allah. He does it as an act of worship. But he doesn't command anyone to do it. And the Prophet does something. And he does it as an act of worship. Pay attention to this. He does it as an act of worship. It's not something he does habitually. It's an act of worship. He's getting closer to Allah. He's worshipping Allah based on it. But he doesn't ever command anyone. And he doesn't say anything to his companions. What ruling does this action take? The Sheikh said, The Sheikh said, This is recommended for the Ummah to do it. It's recommended for the Ummah to do it. And an evidence for that is, um, The Prophet he said, if I wasn't fearful for my ummah, I would have commanded them to use the siwak after every prayer. And the Prophet used to use it, and he had never commanded his companions to use it. He didn't command them. This shows that it's recommended to use the miswak before every prayer or before every wudu. What about if he does it out of norms? That is something the Prophet habitually does. Norms shows that you can do it, no problem, it's permissible. It's permissible for, to, for you to do it. But remember brothers, if the Prophet does something out of norms, you can't do it to worship Allah based on it. You can't try to get closer to Allah based on it. Yani the Prophet he did something out of norms, this is his ada his norms. You can't come and say, I'm going to worship Allah based on it. Because you're not, you, won't be, um, you won't be following the Prophet Because the Prophet didn't do it He did it So you'd only be following the Prophet From the outer But from the inner You and the Prophet's intention are different Your intention is to get closer to Allah And the Prophet's intention was norms, uh, His customs huh? Are we all together? For example The Prophet he used to let his hair grow And it's permissible for you to let your hair grow as a man and have a long hair. Sometimes it used to reach his earlobes and sometimes it used to reach his shoulders. And there's no narration that showed that it went below his shoulders. So there's a man who wants to have long hair. He wants to have a long hair. It's permissible, you can have it. But then he wants to get closer to Allah by doing this. And he wants to get jannah for it. He He wants to get a reward for him following the Prophet in this this is not following the Prophet sallallahu wa If the Prophet sallallahu sallam, consents to something, he approves of something, whether it be a speech or an action, then we say that whatever he approved or whatever he uh, consented to alayhi it shows that it's permissible for us to do Okay It shows that it's permissible for us to do And an evidence for that is The Sahabi Jabir ibn Abdullah anhu, He said We used to do Quarters interruption We used to do Quarters interruption We used to do We used to um, It was a form of it was a way that the Sahabas used to stay away from having children. It was a form of contraception, where the man would have sexual intercourse with his spouse, his partner, his wife, and just before he's about to ejaculate, he withdraws. Jabir said, "We used to do that whilst the Quran was coming down." This is—he's trying to say that the Quran approved of our action, and the Prophet ﷺ approved of our action. Okay. Okay, now we're going to go into the next chapter, which is Al-Ijma'u Wal-Qiyas We're going to go to Al-Ijma'u Wal-Qiyas Okay? So we've already taken Brothers and sisters, don't lose concentration. We've taken The evidences are Al-Kitabu Was-Sunnah And we've taken the indication of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. How the Qur'an and the Sunnah provide evidence to us. The way that it does. We, we've taken it. The way it provides us. It's either am muqayyad mujmal We took it, right? It's either a general text, specific text, uh, unrestricted text, restricted text, Nasiq um, abrogated um, mansukh Abrogator abrogated Mujmal um, We took We took Mubayyan we, يعني, All of these are The Quran and the Sunnah How do they show us evidence And how do we benefit from it We've taken all of that sah. Now the author is going to go into the, the, the next two evidences that we need, which is Al-Ijma'ah Wal-Qiyas These are two evidences as well. The Qur'an and the Sunnah are the Asal, and these two are built upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah. These two are built upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So we're going to talk about what ijma' is, we're going to talk about what Qiyas is. Al-Qiyas is two types. Qiyas which is batil and a qiyas which is sahih. The Qiyas which is batil is the Qiyas that Iblis did. Okay? It's the Qiyas that Iblis did. It's the Qiyas that Iblis did. What did Iblis do? Iblis came and said, أنا خير منه. Oh Allah, I am better than Adam. I am better than Adam hey, What's your evidence? Iblis What's your evidence That you are better than Adam? He said my evidence is You created me from fire And you created him from clay You created him from earth or dust and he, I'm better My essence is better than his essence And because of that, I am better than him. Which is what we're seeing, uh, the concept of racism and where it came from originally. I am better than you because of my color or because of where I'm from or my nationality or my tribe or whatever. This is a shaitanic way. It was a shaitan who paved that path. Whereas, pay attention to this. Shaitan and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are different when it comes to determining who's better than who. In Allah's eyes, people are not determined based on their countries. This is khata. Or it's not based upon their color. And it's not even based upon their jobs and their, prof- their profession and their qualification. And where they were born and where they were raised. This is nowhere in the Quran and the Sunnah. Allah Txv, determines who's good and who isn't based on their actions and the people's speech and what they do and what they say. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, Inna akramakum The best amongst you, the most righteous, the greatest, is the one who comes with piety, taqwa. And his heart is clean, it manifests on his limbs. That's the, that's the determined factor between who's better than who. Shaytan, on the other hand, he, determines, he determined who is better than who based on the essence. لذلك الْعَلَّامَةِ ابن الْقَيِّمِ He said that anyone who determines who is better than who based on their country or their ethnicity or their background and etc. Is a person who took his evidences. He took his evidence from Shaitan and he refused to take it from Allah. You see that's how important it is. So I think this whole issue it can be resolved with the Quran and the Sunnah. It can't be resolved by shouting and screaming, and it can't be resolved by um, any other methods that are impermissible. We have to determine we have to resolve these issues based on how the Quran and the Sunnah looked at it. Okay? So al Qiyasul Batil, the Qiyas which is Baatil, is the one that Shaitan came with. Wellid Ibn Ibn Hazm, the great scholar. The great Andalusian scholar, Ibn Hazm al-Dhahiri, he, because of this, he dismissed Qiyas as a form of evidence. What did he do? He dismissed Qiyas as a form of evidence. He said, this is not an evidence. Qiyas is not right. He said, أول من قاس إبليس. The first person who did Qiyas is Iblis. Oh. And the people who called for Qiyas, he said, are taking it from Iblis. But what we say is uh, to Ibn Hazm and anyone who treads on that path, That what Iblis did was qiyas which is baatil. That's what we don't do. But there is qiyas which is sahih. Qiyas which is sahih. And that's the one that we're going to be talking uh, about inshallah ta'ala. I'm going to come to those questions that inshallah ta'ala are asked. I'm going to come to those questions inshallah ta'ala and I'm going to answer them بِذْنِ اللَّهِ الْكَرِيمِ Hold on to those questions for me inshallah ta'ala um, وَأَمَّ الْإِجْمَعُ The author الله, he says وَأَمَّ الْإِجْمَعُ As for ijma'a So now we need to know what is ijma'a He says وَأَمَّ الْإِجْمَعُ فَهُوَ اَتِّفَاقُ الْعُلَمَاءِ الْمُجْتَيْدِينَ عَلَى حُكْمٍ حَادِثَةٍ The is what it is. اتفاق العلماء المجتهدين Understand this It's an agreement Between the scholars Who've reached درجة ijtihad. They've reached that level of ijtihad. Independent reasoning Okay على حكم حادثة. And they are Agreeing On a Matter That has Newly Occurred It has come after the Prophet Sallallahu Ijma' stands on two things Ijma' stands on three things mainly It stands on three things mainly Okay, the first one is The agreement is to Muhammad It's the Ummah of Nabi and Muhammad It's not like the Muslims and the non-Muslims all agree on something La no, la no, no Ijma' to us is to Muhammad Yani Ummatul Ijaba The ones who obeyed the Prophet Who followed him Number one the agreement is amongst the believers number 1 number 2 it's not all of the believers it's the ulama of the believers to nas the blind followers they can't agree or disagree what do they know so they're not in the equation the ijma here is the ittifaqul ulama al-mujtahidin the scholars that have reached ijtihad that's point number 2 and point number 3 is it has to be after the prophet's death yeah, and after the Prophet died, because anything that was done at the time of the Prophet and that was agreed upon, it goes under takrir. It goes under the Prophet's approval. The Prophet approved of this. So it becomes the takri تقرير, of the Prophet. Are we all together? Good. That's good to understand. قطعنا بإجماعهم. Whenever we make ijma of a group of people، وجب الرجوع Whenever there's an ijma'ah in a matter، it's obligatory for us to go back to the إجماع. And you're not allowed to go against the ijma'ah. And that ijma has to be built upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah. وَلِذَلِكَ شَيْخُ الْإِسْلَامِ ibn Taymiyyah, he said, وَلَا يُوْجَدُ مسألة يَتَّفِقُ الْإِجْمَاعُ عَلَيْهَا إِلَّا وَفِيهَا نَصٌّ ibn Taymiyyah said that there is, not, there is no consensus that the ulama have unanimously agreed upon except there's evidence in the Qur'an and the Sunnah for it. Always the case. Okay? We have to follow the Ijma." And the evidence for following the ijma' is وَمَن يُشَاقِقِ الرَّسُولَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ الْهُدَىٰ وَيَتَّبِعْ غَيْرَ سَبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ نُوَلِّهِ مَا تَوَلَّىٰ وَنُسْرِهِ جَهَنَّمَ وَسَاءَتْ So the ayah says وَيَتَّبِعْ غَيْرَ سَبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Follow the path of other than the believers also the prophet he said my ummah لا تجتمع على ضلالة my ummah do not agree on falsehood على مسألة بوصف أو sorry now we're gonna to go to القياس الصحيح now we're gonna to go to القياس الصحيح the qiyas which is صحيح فهو تجمع بينها تجمع بينهما فمتى نص الشارع على مسألة ووصفها بوصف أو استنبط العلماء أنه شرع لذلك الوصف ثم وجد ذلك الوصف في مسألة أخرى لم ينص الشارع على عينها من غير فرق بينها وبين المنصوص وجب إلحاقها بها في حكمها لأن شارع حكيم لا يفرق بين المتماثلات في أوصافها كما لا يجمع بين المختلفات very powerful statement that the sheikh rahimahullah brought now we're now going to go into al-qiyas al-sahih <coughs> um, al-qiyas it stands on four pillars you have to understand these four pillars الْقِيَاسُ الصَّحِيْحِ الْأَصْلُ الْفَرْعُ الْعِلَّة الْحُكْمُ The Asal is the thing that you're going to do the Qiyas from. We have something that we're going to do the analogy from, the Qiyas from. For example, الْخَمْرُ al is what we want to do Qiyas from And what is it that we want to do the Qiyas for? We want to do the Qiyas for uh, drugs okay? Uh, so we want to do it for drugs Mukhadarat, drugs Drugs is the Farah, it's the thing that we want to do the Qiyas for The Illa, in why the Khamru was made Haram was what? Al-Iskar Al-Iskar means intoxication It's what? Intoxication And the ruling for Khamar was what? The ruling for Khamar is haram, right? So will the ruling for the farah be as well? If the reason why Khamar was made haram was because of intoxication And drugs has also the same reason It's impossible that the Sharia will make For one, two things that have the same reason The Sharia will not make two different rulings for them It will make them both the same ruling Are we all together? This topic Al-Illa Which is also known as al manat Al-illa and al are synonyms. Ibn Dakiq al-Aid, Ibn al-Shahatibi, al-Shahatibi, Ibn Taymiyyah, also Ibn al-Qayyim in his I'lam. Al-illa and al-manab are both the same. the illa are two types. al which is mansoos, and al which is mansoos, and a'ila which is mustambata. A text which is mustanbatah and a mansoos. Yani the, the reasoning in why the khamar was haram is mansoos, meaning Allah mentioned it to us. And the messenger told us, "Kullu muskirin haram." Meaning, is Mansus is textually mentioned. Allah mentioned it. That's why the علا here is Mansus, meaning stated. Mustambat means something was made haram. The scholars will try to find out what was the reason why it was made haram, and they do istimbat. They try to extract the reason for it. Are we all together? The topic of almanat. The scholars, they divide the manat into three. They call it tahqiq. Tahqiq al-manat. Ten. Qihu al-manat. So it's tahqiq al-manat. Tanqihu al-manat. And tahriju al-manat. This topic, which is تَحْقِيقُ manat, تَنْقِيحُ manat, and تَخْرِيجُ manat. It's, it's, the, it's the juiciest part of Al-Qiyas. And it's one of the strongest parts It's one of the st- parts of Al-Ijtihad. Yeah, and the chapter of Al-Qiyas is the biggest angle of Ijtihad. Remember that. Are we all together brothers? Um, so but we're we not, this, this book doesn't talk about Tahriq al-Manad and Tanqih al-Manad and Tahriq al-Manad. Abu Hamid al-Ghazali talks about in his Kitab, Al-Mabsut, and uh, no, uh, sorry, in his mustasfa, sorry. He talks about in his mustasfa and Ibn Qudama, Rahim then talks about it in his Kitab, Rodha to Nadir, Rodha to Nadir, but we're not going to go into that. We just need you to know this much, inshallah ta'ala. This is called qiyas, which is sahih. If your asal and your fara' and your illa and the hukumah are all in line, you're using it correctly, that's good. But if not, your qiyas is qiyas which is batil. Your qiyas becomes InshaAllah Ta'ala, next week, we have the last chapter. Uh, two more chapters left, sorry. Or three more. Yeah, let me check. Yeah, we have three more chapters left. InshaAllah Ta'ala, we're going to have to do that in the next two lessons coming. bi al-Kareem. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me and shaitan, and Allah and his messenger are free from it. Subhanaka Allahumma wa bihamdik, ashadu an la ilaha illallah, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayh.